0: We keep coming back year after year after year, and later in this program, we're going to talk about a comeback that will be talked about for years. High school football continues to thrive and rock here in the Chandler, Arizona area, and we're very happy to bring you the Town Rivals podcast presented by BQ Enterprises. What is BQ Enterprises? Very simply, an independent associate of Legal Shield. My name is Brett Quinton, and I'm joined by two outstanding people. The first one who I'll bring on, he keeps coming back year after year, so maybe he likes me a little bit, and that would be none other than Chili. And then, of course, we have another guy who keeps coming back, and why wouldn't he come back? He totally loves high school football, and he started this whole thing, and that's Ralph Amsden. Ralph, how are you, buddy?
1: I'm doing good, man. How are you guys?
0: Doing all righty. Ralph, the first thing that I'll ask you, and there's always a lot to ask you, but over the past weekend, the Clemson game got delayed because of lightning and thunder and all that sort of stuff. You're in that area. Were you guys affected at all? How is your vicinity?
1: No, not really. I mean, it's again, I found out that yesterday was the end of summer, September 21st. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't even been paying attention because out here in Charlotte, there's not a single it's the same every day it's like 66 for a low 90 for a high sprinkles a little bit from five to seven there was not one bad day there was not one hard day there was not one day that that that, that, that I was that I was hating life the hottest that I, that it has been for me this entire summer was uh, it was 99 degrees at three in the morning when I the last time I was with Chile and boarded a flight back here uh, and that was in Phoenix and so it's pretty chill out here all the time we're so far inland that it's that that the harsh weather doesn't really come, or at least it hasn't in the in the five, six months um, that, that I've been out here. And even then, like when there's lightning and stuff, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff gets delayed. But for the most part, a lot of the, the, the delays that are still happening around these parts have to do with uh, COVID putting off high school football games and stuff like that.
0: And so you always got something interesting going on from week to week. What's new with you?
2: Man, I'm I'm just you know grinding it out day by day, trying to support as many of these kids as possible. Um, you know, I I don't think I went to sleep until like seven o'clock Saturday morning. After that Hamilton uh, Bishop Gorman game, um, it was a huge weekend for high school football here in the valley, and especially for uh, for all of our Chandler teams. So that played and man, absolutely and crazy. In-
0: it was a perfect seven and O Friday night for the Chandler area teams, the teams that we indeed cover, and that is nothing short of awesome. So, let's begin with one of those seven winners, and that would be the Arizona College Prep Knights. They shut out the Minotaur of Odyssey Institute, 56 to nothing. Chili Myron Blueford's team. They were up 42 to nothing after a quarter. They dropped that running clock real early. And my man, they truly never looked back.
2: Hey, uh, you know, ACP, you know, they've been waiting for the arrival of Bryce Chen. And, you know, I know that one person doesn't make the team, but sometimes one person can make all the difference. And I think just having them out there uh, catching some passes, uh, doing some things, I think it was a great way to lift the team up. And you saw the way they responded. I mean, dude, they had that clock doing that cardio in the first half. That thing was going. So uh, shout out to those boys. They was working hard because uh, Odyssey's uh, running back, Toy Landers, popped off the week before. Thought that maybe he was going to get, you know, uh, another opportunity to try for that Cardinals player of the week. So
0: That definitely was not the case. And, no. Ralph, always good to see our Chandler teams do well. And, wow, Myron Blueford's team, just like that, they're
1: 500. Yeah, what a weekend. What a weekend. And it was starting with Arizona College Prep, this, this – this is at least tied for the most successful uh, yep. weekend we've ever had of, of covering teams within this podcast, especially, you know, w- w- with high level stuff, good opponents, um, everybody winning. I think we only had one team on a buy. That's the only way that this could get gone any better. But guess what? A buy is not a loss. So we're going to count that All as right. a win, too. but no i'm I'm proud i'm proud of arizona college prep they're they're on the come up i don't know if you guys saw this but it's a little bit the santa cruz victory is a little bit less impressive on the heels of arizona lutheran actually finding a way to get a one point win over santa cruz but it doesn't matter you just got to win the games in front of you you know definitely good stuff and they'll head up to scottsdale next
0: week to face the coronado dons as they look to improve to three and two the Valley Christian Trojans, they improved to 4-0 and on the season after a 42-28 win over 4A Northwest Christian. Ralph, we've seen some talented VC teams over the years, but there seems to be something extra about this squad. After four games, this quartet is averaging 45 points a game. They're just really potent.
1: 45, good grief. That feels like it could be a record.
0: Yes. I mean, it's one of those things where and we will bring you in, obviously for this VC, when they win, I, I can't say they've t- typically been a grinded out team, but certainly they haven't over the years past, even when they've had some quality playoff teams, they haven't been that 40, 45 point team a game. They've been, Hey, we won the game 24, 17 with good defense. Now they're, they're hanging a half a hun on people.
2: Hey, they're they're really doing their thing. Uh, this quarterback, uh Haringa, he's uh, Haringa, he's doing a lot of good things. I've been watching his film weekly, um, because he's been tagging me in it, and so I've been showing love on my little uh film review thing on YouTube. And um man, such a good decision maker, and he's got the perfect compliment in uh Kaden Majersak. That running back, uh he can make it happen. And they remind me a lot of that Seton team that we love so much, and they are just churning out points um you know the quarterback makes all the good decisions just like Zach Wade did and the running back can do a lot of special things just like Antonio Camp- Campanella did and they're tough on defense Justin Rieger is uh making all the plays sideline to sideline yeah, north to south let, let's give the
1: update let's give hey. you got a sack and nine tackles
2: nine tackles hey and uh, he's, he's quick. He's quick to the ball carrier. Um, he does a lot of special things for that defense to make that defense go. And they have the right amount of uh, athletes to sprinkle in there with the Austin, Austin Gerard. this kid, um, super talented receiver. I expect to see him, uh, probably leading the three, a, in touchdowns or at least getting close, but this team will be able to keep up with the Yuma Catholics and the ALA Gilbert Norths. And I cannot wait to watch this more. With ACP, that's going to go down in a couple weeks on ten fifteen.
1: When do you think the last time that Valley Christian got a win over over Northwest Christian is? I can't. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to rack my brain on this, and I'm not sure that I remember the last time that happened. I know they lost. In 2019, when Kirk Sundberg was the coach, it was their lowest output of the season. They lost 17-10. I know they got busted in the playoffs by Northwest Christian in 2018 and in the regular season. I know they got blown out in Jeff Rutledge's last year. Um, I don't even know when the last time they played before that is. They might be winless against Northwest Christian all time. I think you might be right because certainly not since we've been collectively
0: doing this have they beat them and you're right in previous years they may never have got them. so it might be uh might be the first win over that school in history
1: well i know okay so uh, I, I did find a few other games let's see here so in jeff rutledge's in jeff rutledge's tenure alone so that would that would have been 2013 from when we started covering this through 2017 yep. uh yep. it looks like they lost 45 14 in 2014 they lost 19 13 in 2013 Um, they played again in 2016 and lost 52 to seven. And then Jeff Rutledge's last year, they lost 49 14. Kirk Sunberg got two cracks at him in his first year, and they lost in the playoff semifinals 27 to six. And then Kirk Sunberg got another crack at him in 2019, and that was the closest game 17 to 10. And what was a very, very good season. Um, in the regular season especially, and then last year, Jake Peterson's team I don't think played Northwest Christian. So as as far as I can at least tell, this is the first win in in a really long time. And there is just
0: so much optimism. I mean, I think obviously initially they're just a likable squad and props to also Brian Winfrey, a good friend of the show. He recently had another young – he had a boy actually a few days ago. Great for him. It's a school that we've come to know and over the top love, and to see them just handling their business like just like nobody's business on the football field makes it even that more special. This is a very, very good team.
2: And Brett, you're probably going to get the chance to cover them when they play in the state championship game, right? I'd
0: love that opportunity. And let's see if both of those uh, fruitions
1: uh, come to play. So, yeah. And so I, I, like- I did, find, I, I want to make sure that I correct the record. Valley Christian beat Northwest Christian eight out of nine times from 2003 to 2010. So that was before our time. Okay. Before our time. time. The only time during that time period that Valley Christian lost to Northwest Christian, it was their only loss of the season in their 2009 championship run. Interesting. Interesting. So, uh,
0: I have a feeling this could be a nice little rivalry. I mean, that's a great thing. Also, Valley Christian is positioned to have several people really wanting them. You figure locally with ACP. You figure Northwest Christian, obviously. And uh, ALA Gilbert North is uh, having a good year as well. So uh, we'll see what Valley Christian does. I mean, the, the good thing about this week, heck, they play on Thursday, and they will face Wickenburg on the road. Uh, the Wranglers are two and two, so go VC. Moving up to the 4A conference, the Seton Catholic Sentinels, while wow, they outscore Ben Franklin 51 to 48 to improve to two and one. Chili, we've talked a lot about Mikey Castro, we all have oh, since day one, and he certainly got it done. There's no doubt about that. But there seems to be another Mikey in town. Chili, take it away, Mr. Williams. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, Mikey Williamson uh, did his thing. Uh, You know, he he made all the big plays that he needed to. uh, Had like 160 yards receiving and uh, three touchdowns. Uh, Perfect complement to what Mike Castro does over there. Um, You know, and they're they're finding their groove. I did not. I honestly did not expect uh, this game to be that high scoring. Not 51 to 48. If you would have told me the over under was at like 90, I would have definitely taken the under because uh, the way Benjamin Franklin like like I said last week kind of lulls you you to sleep. Yeah, with their offense. So, um, you know, they found a a way to, you know, get get Benjamin Franklin running. Um, You know, I have some concerns on Seton's defense. But offensively, hey, they've shown that they can uh, get that output going. Um, Williamson, as long as he keeps doing stuff like this, this team could make a nice little run in the playoffs, maybe grab, you know, maybe steal one game and compete in another.
0: Absolutely. Eight catches, as you mentioned, for over 160 yards. That's terrific. This team continues to score 29 points in the opener, Thirty-five points in game two and now fifty-one in their third game. And Ralph, as Chili mentioned, yeah, defense might be the concern as they have given up ninety-five points, Ralph, over the last two games. But hopefully Pete Walheim can write that side of the team as well.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that um they're probably more concerned about you know, that they're yes, they are giving up points, but you know, offensively they feel like if they play up to their capability that gives their defense time to catch up. I know that Mikey Castro last week on our show talked about the fact that they, that, Where you could say they gave up a bunch of points to Deer Valley, but at the end of the day, as an offense, he said that they kind of blame themselves for putting Deer Valley in a position to close that to 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 give them a big swing because they turned the ball over in the red zone, which created an opportunity for a 12-point loss instead of a narrow win. Um, That is something that they're going to need to get fixed up. But you know, Chile was talking about last week being worried that um about how tough the road was forward for Seton Catholic when they didn't get that deer Valley win. And I don't know if we went into this weekend with the expectation that they would beat Benjamin Franklin. So I'm sure Chile would agree. This is, this is an enormous win. I definitely
0: would say that. And yeah. Chile. Uh, let's even talk about their, their next game while we're kind of, while we've got it on, they had to cast a grand to take on the unbeaten Cougars and that is a serious road test. And I think you guys are right that, yes, I did not expect them to defeat Ben Franklin. And that's not necessarily a knock, but great victory. But, yeah, it's uh, – schedule continues.
2: They, they weren't – I love Seton. I want to I preface this. I love Seton. I think Mikey Castro is great. I like what Walheim is doing over there. I love uh, Coach Can, Canez, uh, the OC uh, receivers coach over there. Um, but they weren't able to contain the athletes from uh, Deer Valley. They weren't able to contain the athletes from uh, Benjamin Franklin. I have big concerns about how they're going to try to bottle up uh, previous Cardinals player of the week, RJ Keaton. And on top of that, there happens to be this 2022 quarterback named Angel Flores, who is quite the flamethrower over at Casa Grande. It's going to be tough.
0: It definitely will be tough. I'll say this, the one good thing, and no, I, I definitely agree there, the 54 points or the 51 points they scored the most that they have scored in a contest, and you know I love numbers, not since they defeated the Peoria Panthers three years ago on the road in the playoffs when they outscored them under uh, Coach Churko, Mike Churko, who's now an assistant with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so Hopefully they can score some points because obviously they're going to need it against that Casa Grande team, that's for sure.
1: And a reminder, Jake Barrow, Seton alum, coming home. Ah, very true. Very true. Let's jump
0: up to 6A now. And the Castile Colts, they were off this past week. They're 1-1 on the season. They'll head over to Ahwatukee to face the 2-1 Mountain Point Pride.
2: Hey, I got a question. Now, I know that they were off, and I know a lot I know some of these kids went to the Hamilton game. Um, they played Hamilton, lost a close one, kind of, right? They lost by like 10 points.
0: 23-13, yep. Do
2: do they get some confidence? Is this a good thing for them that they were able to, you know, kind of absorb that and you know, watch this Hamilton team that that they were close with beat Bishop Gorman?
0: I think it is in a roundabout way. I definitely think it is when you sit back and You get to study your opponent in a looser environment, meaning they weren't watching film in a room. They were actually in an environment kind of, hey, you know what? I was able to beat that kid on my assignment, that sort of thing, and then see them come back. I think that is fuel to uh, Castile's fire. No, that's uh, definitely a testament to the Colts. Absolutely. And again, yeah, speaking of the pride, they suffered their first loss of the year to the Perry Pumas. Coach Preston Jones' team showed that they run awatuki after having defeated Desert Vista in their opener, and now they take down Coach Eric Lauer's team, 21-20. We are able to catch up with defensive back C.J. Snowden. He gives his take on the difference from last year's squad to this year's squad.
3: I would say our fight and our just our drive to compete last year, we expected a lot of things. We went into the season expecting to win, and I think COVID messed us up a little bit. But this year, we're out there, we're competing, we're fighting. We know we're the underdogs. I think our offense is doing phenomenal. Our defense is fighting, putting in the work. And we're just out there every day competing.
0: You guys definitely are certainly competing. You guys, uh, in a roundabout way, you guys have run Awatuki. You defeated Desert Vista on opening night. And your most recent win was against Mountain Point. Kind of walk us through that Mountain Point game a little bit, because they were 2-0 and coming in.
3: Oh, yes, sir. Um, the mountain point, we knew they were going to be a pretty tough team. They have pretty good receivers. I know number nine was pretty good number four and their quarterback, which we didn't actually prepare for number seven. He actually mm-hmm. just came out there. He, they, he did pretty good, but you know, just preparing, we knew they were going to be fast, but we just, I think we just went out there competing, fighting. Just we knew they were going to be quick. So we kind of prepared for them to be a little fast on defense. And then I think our offense, we just we just ran the ball pretty good. We we threw pretty good, I think. I think we just we just played our game.
0: You guys right? but de- we,
3: we could do best.
0: You guys definitely did play a very solid game. And while we definitely want to concentrate on you, tell us a little bit more about the quarterback, Colter Brown. He seems like he's coming into his own and he's a big part of what you guys do.
3: Oh yeah, Colter Brown I think he's a dog out there. I mean, he's out there at practice every day competing. I think he was very underrated last year. He got put in a bad situation when being got hurt, and he had to get thrown back out there. But I think he's getting used to it, and um, I think he's just doing good. He's just competing, like I said, a dog.
0: And speaking of competition, you're you're a dog too. You compete not only on the football field, but also the baseball field, cornerback on defense. You play the outfield for the Pumas baseball team Tell us how you manage yes. your time because playing for Preston Jones—that's demanding, that's for sure—and the grind yes, of sir. and the grind of baseball day in and day out—that's tough as well. Tell us how you've been able to mesh all of that together.
3: You know, right now, football season, football comes with first. But when I have the off, when I'm in the off season, I mean, I still just work on my craft. Right now, I go out there a little bit, throw the ball still. I still talk to uh, coach Tippett. if you need me to do anything, I'll do it. but I just I just go out there, just compete uh, I just go out there and have fun pretty much. and anything I could do like little wise, like if I could practice in the weekends or if I could do something for baseball during football season or vice versa, I'll do.
0: You definitely have juggled both of those well and I think you're solid in both sports. that's for sure. Academics, you kind of—I'm not going to say you sneak that in, but that's important as well because it's <laughs> student athlete and it's student first. You've got a real high GPA. Tell me about how you yes, balance sir. that time as well. Aside from sports, you're getting it done in the classroom.
3: Yes, sir. Um, in the classroom, I just—I just focus, listen to my teachers. If I need any help, I'll reach out to them. I'll contact them, and I just—I just try putting in the work. Because, Like you said, student-athlete comes first, student it comes first, and athlete comes second. And our coaches, Preston Jones
0: and Damian Tibbet, they really emphasize on having good grades. That is, that's nothing short of awesome, and I love hearing that. Let me ask you this, CJ, and we touched on it a little bit earlier. When you're playing, days are over, and ultimately they will. Hopefully it's not for another 20 years or so. What type of path would you like to be? What's on your mind when you're – 30-something, a businessman, a uh, lawyer, uh, What's what kind of intrigues you?
3: Well, if I don't go into uh, playing football or baseball in the future, I would love to take after my family, both of my parents were pharmacists, so I'd like to do something in the medical department, maybe a pharmacist, but maybe probably even a doctor. Okay. A doctor really intrigued me, and you know, I'd like to be a doctor.
0: That's good. No, that's, I mean, you've got your, uh, you've got some serious high hopes and you're certainly taking the steps to do that. Back onto the playing field, I'll ask, you've got uh, two sports that you participate in. Who do you pat on your game after? And let's start with baseball first. Who are a couple of guys at the major league level who you look after?
3: Ooh, probably um, either Ronald Acuna Jr. He's a great outfielder. I look at him all the time. The way he plays, the swagger he has. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Anderson, there we go. Also a a good good baseball player for the White Sox. And um, probably the last one is uh, Cody Bellinger. He came from Arizona, so mm-hmm. I, I watch him a little bit. Okay, see how he plays.
0: Definitely. You mentioned three solid guys there. That's for sure. And how about on the gridiron from a uh, defensive standpoint? I'm guessing probably some of your favorite players are on the defensive side because you are a DB yourself. Yeah, but yeah who you got?
3: Well, I think the first two that come to my mind easier, Jair Alexander and Jalen Ramsey. Okay. They're dogs on the field. And I, I look at them, I see how they play and what they do. And I try mimicking that on the football field.
0: You definitely are uh, mimicking some really good people. That's for sure. I tell you, CJ, it has been great talking with you. And we'll certainly talk again. That's for sure, whether it's after a game or, uh, well, it won't be halftime, but after a game at some point, we'll definitely catch up. I appreciate you being part of this podcast. You are a valuable asset to Perry High School. Keep doing your thing, man.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you
0: for having me. All righty. That is C.J. Snowden. He is a cornerback and a outfielder for the Perry Pumas. And indeed, C.J. Snowden, just outstanding guy to talk to, certainly a dual-sport athlete. And the one thing that I got from him that we uh, heard earlier, just, just the whole team camaraderie. It is a totally different team in a sense of a lot of their players, and we know that COVID was – 2020 was 2020, but these guys are developed and talking to Coach Jones. Actually, last night I was able to talk to Coach Jones. A big part of his defense has come back as a team, so you put all of that together, and honestly, that's why they won two of their first three.
2: Hey, one of my favorite players on this defense, and Ralph probably won't be surprised by this, Cy Hatch. My man is making tackles all over the place, plus he's a legacy. I absolutely love that kid. Um, Herschel Hall's doing his thing, and then uh, Aiden Herring also off the edge has been uh, nothing short of phenomenal. I, I, I love what's going on over there, Perry, on the defensive side, for sure.
1: Very, very interesting that we, we, we had one team win on a two-point conversion um, and then another one win on a failed two-point conversion. Uh, very, very interesting. And who knows, who knows if Perry's offense would have looked different if Mountain Point went for two, goes up 22 to 21, and then, you know, m- maybe Perry goes out there and, and and hits the accelerator and puts it away. We, we're not going to know because that happened with probably six minutes left in the game. It wasn't like in, in, in the case of Hamilton. However, a failed two-point conversion is a what? A loss? What is it? No, it's a defensive stop.
0: It's a defense. yeah.
1: Oh, from the goal line, yeah. And we spend a majority of this podcast slandering the Puma's defense. 20 uh, 20 Uh, 20, I I think, is the lowest output for Mountain Point this year so far. I believe you're right. Yes, no,
2: Mountain Point also didn't have their starting quarterback playing most of the game, just to be fair. Hey, just to be fair, just to be fair, Hey, hey,
1: if we're going to push back when Perry says, just to be fair, we gave up 800 yards of offense to Sandra Day O'Connor with our backups in. Uh, We're going to do the same thing to to, to Mountain Point and say, hey, if most of your touchdown passes have come from like Amir Boyd and other players on the team anyway, then you should be able to move the ball on a defense that we say has been lacking forever. (laughs) <laughs> That's fair. Now good for the Punk. This Pumas. feels like the good old days of the Sea Town Rivals podcast where we are talking about a Chandler team getting a win over Mountain Point. Only I think we have a decent enough relationship with Mountain Point now where we're not going to get uh, 10,000 hate tweets for even bringing it up in the first place. This is very true. I <laughs> definitely agree and props to Preston Jones team and congratulations to the Pumas.
0: They'll head to Queen Creek on Friday to take on a Bulldogs team that is 2 and 0. The Basha Bears, they're now 3-0 after a 37-12 win at Brof- Excuse me, over Brophy, the super sophomore quarterback, DeMond William Jr. He's impressive, but what impressed me most from Friday's win was his ground game, 113 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Another one of those sophomores, Darren Dodd, string fellow, he had himself a night with 137 receiving yards on just five catches, Chili, this is some serious weapons from top to bottom on that roster.
2: Yeah, you know what? You know what's crazy is uh, I talked to Demond on um, Wednesday at the Brophy Basha freshman, freshman game, and he mm-hmm. he literally told me that he literally told me that Stringfellow was gonna be next. He was gonna be one of the next guys to look out for. Um, man, th- this sophomore class has uh, contributed a lot to this Basha success, and um, you know, it's Demond Lewis. Damon Williams showing how thready he is on the ground, you know, um, those, those, hey, he, he was big, he was big in this game. Uh, Brophy's got some dudes, power five kid up front, uh, mm-hmm. power five kid in the secondary. Uh, this, this bachelor team, you know, it might be time to start using this big, thick Sharpie and putting them in the uh, open.
1: I'm,
0: I'm all for
1: that, Ralph. Yeah, so I've been told a few times in the early going that I was being a hater, that I had them too low, that they should have been in the top 10 of the state 48 power 48, that being eighth ranked last week was completely disrespectful. So I'm trying to make up for it. The newest rankings have just been released on ArizonaVarsity.com. I've got Basha up to number five in the state in 6A. Tell me if that's too high or too low. Too low. Too low. You don't even care who's above them. You say too low.
2: Brett, I'm let him know. Say, let, let him know, Brett.
1: Five is
0: five is about right. I got to say five is about right. That's uh, still a lot of season left to play. And uh, yeah, I'm good with five. But
1: I do think as the season progresses, that number might creep up a little bit higher. Would you, it, for, for people that have seen, seen both teams play, been around both teams, I have Williams field at three. Ooh, I have
0: not seen Williamsfield. I'll see them in a few weeks when they play at Castile. My
1: gut feeling is Bash is better than Williamsfield okay and then a number four a strong strong number four with a really good resume so far I've got Liberty.
0: I'll be better prepared to answer that question after I see Liberty play at Chandler on Friday.
2: Ooh tipping oh okay just gonna put it out there let everybody know where you're gonna be at um
1: but I but, like- I, but this is the one for Chile. I have them one spot above Highland who did not play this last week. So I, 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 had them leapfrog both queen Creek and Highland. Do you think that's fair
2: right now? Yes. Uh, this Basha team, uh, they got Highland up on the, up on their menu uh, in a couple weeks or whatever. I think it's like game like eight or nine or whatever. Um, but ba- Bashas is tough, man. And um, I think that this is definitely an open team. And I think that they need to be top three um, right now. I like their defense more than I like Williams Fields. And so for that reason, I would have to put them above Williamsfield.
0: That definitely works. No, that's uh I'll definitely say I think we're all uh we're all on the bash of train. We all know exactly what they're certainly capable of. And hopefully they are capable of taking down another unbeaten team on Friday night. They'll travel up to surprise to take on the three and and0 Shadow Ridge stallions. The Chandler Wolves, they are up next as they win their 39th consecutive contest. This time it's 36-14 over Sandra Day O'Connor. Ralph, this really was a tale of two halves. They found themselves down 8-0 after a quarter, 14-13 at the half. Not sure when the last time that's happened, but the second half, it was all about the Wolves as they were able to throw a shutout.
1: Yeah, I I was – I was a little bit surprised, I'll be honest, when I saw that 14-13 halftime score. But this is the the hallmark of good teams and deep teams. You might have somebody that's able to hang with you for a half, but when it comes time to that fourth quarter, you got everybody sucking wind. Do you have the ability to rotate (laughs) people in? Does your physicality win out over another team's physicality? And and that's that that is what we had happen in in this situation, as Chandler put together a completely dominant second half, moreover fourth quarter to put O'Connor away. Um, this is twenty three to nothing in in the second half alone, and Blaine Hippa was able to figure things out through the passing game. He had five touchdown passes which means that and and i don't know if you noticed but chandler has nassan coleman back he had two of those touchdowns and i know that rick garrettson from my conversation with him on the arizona varsity football show this last week he believes that nassan coleman is is that guy for them especially with keon gray's out keon gray's has actually already been cleared to practice so what well, we we might see him a lot sooner um rather than later but but Kudos to O'Connor for holding Chandler to really maybe two, three explosive plays if we're saying 20 yards and more. is Blaine Hippa had a 23-yard scramble at one point. He had a 63-yard touchdown pass to Justice Span. But before that, O'Connor defense was doing a really good job of keeping everything in front of them. You might look at this total and say, hey, O'Connor must have been doing something special on offense to build that lead but jay snyder their quarterback he only threw for 86 yards and as a team a high school football team they only rushed for 117 on 34 carries which is a 3.4 yard average this was actually a dominant defensive performance for chandler the offense just didn't catch up until until the second half and you'll see a lot of that especially with teams that aren't familiar with each other where they're feeling each other out for a while and then the more talented team takes off running we saw it in at the college football level when asu was playing unlv we saw it when when oregon uh was playing stony brook they were only up 17 to 7 at halftime and then they ended up winning by 40 this stuff happens all of the time so I, i think if you're a chandler fan I would say that there's nothing to worry about from this result. And Chile, I'll say just following up on what Ralph mentioned, they're still trying to
0: find themselves, but yet they're averaging 27 Eight. points a game. So all is good and the defense is on point
2: already. Blaine hip as a stud uh, they got three stud quarterbacks over there so I don't think like finding an identity there uh, is going to be a problem I think one of those guys obviously it's Blaine right now um, is just going to cement himself in and do his thing I think where they're trying to find an identity on offense is, is the running back position I've been saying this for weeks uh, they got to find somebody that's going to decide to fight and push for those 150 yards a game that we've grown so accustomed to seeing from a Chandler back now I understand running back by committee and all that stuff. And everybody's in a chip in, but at some point somebody has to separate themselves and say, Hey, I'm that threat, but defensively, I'm a
0: fan of that in a sense that, yeah, I like to see one guy being the leader. Yeah.
2: But, def- but defensively, because I think everybody I want, for the wide receivers, they all know, hey, Karan's going to be the guy while Keon is out. And when Keon comes back, it's going to be the Karan and Keon show. But, um, you know, Nason Coleman stepping in is, is fantastic, a super talented uh, tight end. Um, defensively, though, I love this uh, quote-unquote like no-name defense that they got. Uh, people don't really know all these guys. Let me introduce you to my guy, Blaine Morning, super talented safety over there. I, I've been waiting for him to get this opportunity. I'm always waiting for one kid to get that opportunity to shine. Um, across the state, it's kind of been Zach Ren, the quarterback for Pinnacle. But here in C-Town, it's been Blaine Morning, part of the super talented 2022 class that has never lost a high school game that they've competed in. Undefeated on the freshman level, and then last few years on varsity. Travis Roberts, Smitty, um, those boys on the corner on the islands, Frankie Morales. Nobody seems to be talking about these guys. Devin Dunn, uh, Dominic Hanger, uh Wheaton, um Johnson, Isaiah Johnson. what? in the past it's always been about uh Buckner and all these talented linebackers, Romney, Malik Reed,
0: Maldonado, et Maldonado,
2: like they all had a signature name. This is the first time that we are not just spouting off about the greatness of this Chandler defense, which buckled down in the second half and held O'Connor to zero.
1: But what we you you do want to bring up a concern. Chili talked about the running game. When was the last time that you could say that Chandler running backs didn't combine for 100 yards, much less less than 60? Wow. Hey. That's...
2: Brett. It's a big note
0: that's i mean and that's why i said they're still kind of feeling themselves a little finding themselves i should say and it'll it'll happen it definitely will happen it's uh it's taking some time i'll just throw out one quick note the last time chandler did not score in the first quarter of a football game was that semifinal a couple of years back against south Point. so that's and that's about 20 games ago or 24 games ago, however long that may be. But it's been uh, it's been a while. Their opponent this Friday, they certainly, and they never take anybody lightly, that's for sure. But the Liberty Lions, the unbeaten Lions, took them to the wire last year in the semifinal. Um, so we'll see what happens in this uh, rematch. But then again, during the regular season, Chandler was all over Liberty in week one. Comeback for the ages. Ralph, going to start with you. You watched it. It was amazing. I'm going to let you explain to anybody who might still be under a rock or who hasn't heard what happened over 3,700 Arizona Avenue, break it down that big Huskies win for us.
1: Yeah, so Hamilton came out. They got the ball. They mounted a very, very impressive drive. Christian and I had three catches on on the first drive. Um, Nico Marquial led led them down the field to score. They took a 7-0 lead, and then did not do anything right for the rest of the game until there was about my a little bit less than 2 minutes left it was it was complete dominance it wasn't a perfect game plan because i I thought hamilton's defense played pretty well considering that the the, the offense wasn't given them many opportunities to stay off the field i thought hamilton's defense played decent they forced a couple of errors that kept the game at 24 to 7 before hamilton um was putting together what looked to be at the time a garbage time drive and then when hamilton with about a minute 15 seconds left down 24 to 7 lined up for a field goal That to a lot of people was a white flag moment. Sure, like you could, you could spin it to yourself mathematically that if you work yourself backwards, that taking the guaranteed points in the moment, not that kicking's ever guaranteed, even though Hamilton's got like three D one special teamers on their team, maybe four. Um, And so, you know, Hamilton takes the points. It's 24 to 10. They convert an onside kick, march right down the field and score, convert another onside kick, March right down the field and score, and then elects to go for two. Nico Marchial, uh runs it around the corner. I, I thought Chile did a fantastic job of interviewing Hamilton offensive lineman Grayson Barry after the game. I, I, I'll put a link to that in the AZHSFB Twitter. Um, and and he he ends up bootlegging around, diving into the end zone to with about eight seconds left, which means that Hamilton scored 18 points in under 60 seconds. I keep hearing everybody say that they did it in a minute five. No, there was eight seconds left when you got that two point conversion. That means that they scored 18 in under 60 seconds in order to beat Bishop Gorman. One of the best games I've ever witnessed. I won't say the best Because there have been a lot of really good games Many involving Liberty High School Including that one that you brought up with Chandler In last year's semifinals and then I I don't know if you guys were at the triple Overtime Northwest Christian versus Yuma Catholic But that game was a championship Game and so it's hard for me to Get as excited about a regular season Out of state matchup I don't really like out of state Matchups that that much but the fact that This game was on ESPN the fact That Nico and the whole offense had been stifled For the entire game and they Were able to do this in, in front of the whole country and i've seen i have seen them brought up on every major show every major podcast um sports center had stuff about it max preps had stuff about it it has been national news all week long and it has just been really really cool to see um hamilton back at the forefront because brett i know that arizona high school football coming into your consciousness Happened because Hamilton was playing on a national level. That's correct, and Absolutely. so it kind of just brings us back around to that. And I, I, I just think it was a really, really special moment. I watched the game on ESPN. Obviously, Chile, you were there,
2: right? This is, I think that this is so unique because uh, you know we have we have Brett who had to watch it on Twitter for most of it. I know Brett got to get home and watch the end of it um on tv you watch the entire game on tv ralph and i was actually there living it live like absorbing all the electricity of the final uh you know minute and a half um it was crazy it was crazy it was uh it was about five minutes of great hamilton football um and in between that you know it was a lot of discussion on the sidelines of can hamilton figure this out uh can the defense um can the defense get some stops? Uh, how are they going to make it happen? One, one misconception that I think is out there is that Nico is holding the ball too long, allowing him to get sacked. What I think was happening was Nico was trying to create things because he's got such a unique ability to make things happen uh, with his legs, with his feet, and he was trying to make plays happen. And you know, because of that, he did take some sacks because Bishop Gorman's got phenomenal athletes.
1: Well, and heading into this game, Christian and I had more catches than the rest of the team combined. Hamilton didn't really know who the secondary people were gonna be mm-hmm. w- within within mm-hmm. the receiving game. And then when all of a sudden you let Bishop Gorman know right out of the gate that you're gonna be looking for Christian and I every time, they have the talent to take him away. Very and true. And they did. They did for for like two and a half, three quarters, he vanished.
2: Hey, Brett, I'm I'm What's really there? curious because I know that you I know that you uh caught the end of the game. Um, I know you told me that you watched the end of the game at home. Um, I am wondering when you were on Twitter and you started seeing things kind of evolve, did did that happen? And then you were like, Oh, I got to step on this gas. Like how did it it go? i tell you
0: what was kind of the crazy thing is. So I was actually on the phone with Mike gross on the, doing a Friday night spot. And he actually told me he technically spoiled it. So I was aware that, there was something starting to brew, but he actually was the one who told me it was official. And it's like wow. Oh okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. but it was just part of a wild night. I mean, just props props, props to obviously the Huskies defense for kind of in a sense keeping them in there, whether it's Deuce Davis, whether it's Grant to and Reed, the whole nine yards, and just a phenomenal comeback in the the one thing in Chile. I poked fun at the uh, the announcer a little bit. In the last two minutes of the game, and Ralph, you watched it, he must have said in some way, shape, or form that Markio is going to West Virginia 20 times. Yeah. uh,
1: Okay. So, so the criteria for ESPN to broadcast a high school football game is they want you to have offers because they know that the layman is only going to tune in uh if you can make that link. And so they didn't do a whole lot of talking about any players that didn't have offers and they bring up offers constantly because what they're trying to do is make it relatable to somebody who isn't like us fully invested in high school football. That stuff used to really get on my nerves, but I just moved to North Carolina and I got to tell you, guys, I have no idea what the heck is going on anywhere ever. I don't know who the good coaches are. I don't know who the good programs are. I don't know where I would go to a game on Friday night if I was going to go to one. I don't know how their local association works, even though I know it's always embroiled in legal battles of the states trying to take the the the, the power. It'd be like Doug Ducey stepping in and trying to take away the AIA's power. Like That's what's going on out yeah. in North Carolina. and That's what made me realize that we've all been so steeped in high school football for the last 10 years that we just aren't around very many people who who have limited to no information and all of a sudden i'm the new guy and high school football has been a large part of my life for the last te- decade and i feel super lost and so i can have a little bit more sympathy for the fact that when a high school football games on television they're trying to keep viewers interested by saying like hey this guy is gonna play college football you like college football right this a football player but at, at the same time i would have liked to see them talk a little bit more about some of the players who were who were who were standing out in the moment they very much stick to the storyline of like quarterback is a big deal correct anybody else with an offer is a big deal other than that i feel like they did a pretty good job uh covering the game i did get a really good laugh when they were talking about nico throwing up on the ball because the fact that they caught that and it's one of those things as a broadcaster brett what would you say something if you were in that I, I don't know.
0: I you,
2: don't you, you, uh, you, you, you have to, right? Yeah. You would have to. I mean, because- it's
1: one of those things. If the camera's right on it, well, yeah. the camera, the camera didn't really catch it, and they never went back to it, and so the fact that they brought it up was like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. And then you had to find out on Twitter afterward. Yeah. Chili, I have a question for you because most of what I saw online in the immediate aftermath of the game was people that I follow on social media who had gone out for the game and left. After the third quarter. I saw probably 20 to 25 people saying, what the hell was I thinking? Did you see people kind of heading for the
3: exit? Yeah, people started filing out. People
2: started filing out. The student section started emptying out at around uh, uh, the end of halftime and stuff. Oh, that's Uh, terrible. No, it it was crazy. The the game looked very, very uh, one-sided-ish. And look, those boys fought hard. Um, I really want to shout out – uh, the Davis brothers, I know they're not really related, but Chandler Davis and Deuce Davis, um, they took up a lot of attention from Gorman, which allowed players like Alex McLaughlin and um Timothy Weddle to step up. Those boys had like 30 tackles between the two of them. Um, Cooper Leduc, the kid that recovered the two onside kicks. Hey, th- these boys That's really big. need some juice. Two onside kicks? Dude, I've I played football. I've never recovered an onside kick, and I, that was like a goal of mine was to recover an onside kick. I always wanted to be the dude on the hands team that got to stand up after the recovering the onside kick and point and say, that's me, that's me. Dude, he did it twice in one game. Man, give that man the pass to Disneyland. It, it's time for him to go.
1: And I want—I do want to scold a few Arizona high school football fans. I'm, I'm going to be the downer, the party pooper, or whatever, but i I, I got to get this out there. No, Bishop Gorman's not overrated yes calling them overrated undercuts your own victory no bishop gorman didn't choke yes hamilton went and stole this victory from the jaws of defeat bishop gorman looked as advertised and and maybe and that maybe that's just me on tv but chili they were very good not only were they very good they were the better team and the scoreboard reflected it until it didn't Hamilton pulled a rabbit out of the hat and they deserve praise for this. But the idea that you would say like, yeah, we beat an overrated team, then you're insulting yourself. Absolutely. Don't do that. That's correct. And we've know a program or two that's done that over the years. So yeah, don't call call somebody overrated. If you like, you might feel like you're trolling them, but you're actually trolling your own team.
2: I I got a, I got a question for both of you guys. With a tough Centennial team on the horizon for Hamilton, did this Bishop Gorman game turn into a trap game with all that was invested into it emotionally and everything that's gone on in the 72 hours since?
0: I think Hamilton is is focused. Um, I don't think anybody expected the obviously the big comeback, but I don't see them falling to Centennial. I really don't. Um, Centennial's already one and two, and. The Coyotes are not what they have been previously. I mean, still a great program, et cetera, terrific coaching staff, but I don't see Hamilton falling victim this Friday night.
2: Ralph? Uh,
1: I would hope that it's the reverse. I would hope that a lot of – because you talked about this for years – that Hamilton needs to know what it's like to be Hamilton because those players weren't coming back during the Bellis. Era. This there's nothing against Bellas, but you talked about it at length. Those players weren't coming back to impart the wisdom and pass it down from generation to generation. That was just expected that the coaching staff was going to impart that. There wasn't a lot of alumni support and there wasn't a lot of connection between the coaches and the graduated players to hold Hamilton accountable to continuing to be what it once was. Now they've had a taste of what it actually looks like. Everybody around the program is excited. This is the time to buckle down and realize that your hard work is paying off.
2: Uh, Okay. Now I got one last question for both of you guys. I want to know what you guys think. Can Hamilton bring the national title to Arizona? Because you got to think if they run the table – They will beat a quality Chandler team that will probably be top 10 by that moment. They will have to go through probably Chandler again, or a tough Saguaro team that's going to be very highly ranked. A Basha team that's probably going to creep in there possibly. Can this Hamilton team bring a national championship to the state of Arizona?
0: I will say yes, but it's obviously in the hands of Max preps. Maybe Hamilton finishes number three, obviously being optimistic. or Number two, is Hamilton capable of running the table? Yes, they are. Do they finish number one in the nation? That's something the Huskies can't control.
1: No, they can't. And that's just that, that because – it's a few guys in a room ranking these teams and they care about offers and reputations just as much as those ESPN broadcasters did. And so what Hamilton can do is they can hope that Chandler wins out and that they're only losses to Hamilton. They can hope that Saguaro wins out and the bracket works out so that Hamilton has to go through Saguaro as well. And then they also have to hope that Bishop Gorman doesn't lose again. And they have to hope that Cherry Creek doesn't lose again. And Sierra Canyon's not going to give Saguaro that boost because they've already lost maybe one or two games. And so if all of those things work out, then I think Hamilton's probably in line for a top three spot. But I'm telling you right now, those guys at max preps, and there's nothing against them, anybody who votes in that, they don't see all these other teams. And so they're going to roll with the team that has 45 division one recruits on it. It's going to be matter day or something like that. No matter hey, what,
2: you you, you know, I'm going the Twitter. same thing. It's like oh, I Hamilton
1: control what they can control, but
0: it's ultimately in the hands of max preps. And we are at the 50 minute mark, Chili. I know you got a crazy schedule today. Ralph, always good seeing you from a distance, but it feels like you've never left. And hopefully everybody has enjoyed the Sea town Rivals. Did we lose Podcast him? Podcast <laughs> presented by BQ
1: Enterprise. Bye. Bye.